Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly. It is Thursday the 4th of May 2023. I'm your host, as always, Christopher Gallar, and uh, we're going to talk about Glasgow Celtic and how wonderful they bloody are. We are joined, as always, by Christopher Samani. Hello, Christopher, how are you? I'm magic, Christopher. Buzzing. Delighted to be here. You wanted upbeat? Well, you've got it, mate. <laughs> Very good. Yes, love it. Uh, great to hear from Chris, as always. Uh, but also, uh, the returning Alan Edgar. Hello, Alan. How are you, friend? I'm good, mate. I'm very good. Looking forward to this. Great week, so looking forward to tuning over. Great stuff. Um, we have had, uh, it's been a really good week for content on the old uh, social medias, looking through the old forums. Uh, any fun thing sticks out for you, Chris, that you've you've seen and you've laughed your head off at? Head off, head <laughs> off at. No, you've put, caught me in the spot there. I, I can't actually, now that I'm desperately trying to think of something that I've seen, recall anything but it's just i don't know that i suppose the general tone about you know the fact that it's it's dead dead close but we're we're dead shite uh, but it's still dead dead close and they'll know that good but we need a complete rebuild that sort of theme has uh, been amusing me for most of the week they don't they really don't know what they're, they're supposed to say there's not quite a like company line in regard to we are shite, but they're shite, but we need a rebuild, but it's, aye, exactly, it's hilarious. Alan, what about yourself? Anything popping out for you? You've, aye, I'm sure you've been scrolling all oh, all week, haven't I? I've not missed a trick. Um, I'm going to give the award to Kenny Miller for his, uh, the Rangers need more players like James Tavernier. Uh, that's yeah. a, I mean, that's that's unbelievable. Um, um, aye, aye, it's really, really, and it's been a good week. There's been a lot of great screenshots, a lot of good content. Very difficult to get by that. Um, that's why. That's why you pay the pundits big money. You get you get input like that. Well, I, I just don't understand if you were a Rangers fan why you would go and follow follow and put anything on it now because within two seconds it's on Twitter and mm. uh, everyone's laughing at you. You fucking mug. Oh, the death of the old forum. Eh? Old talk Celtic back in the day. Used to love it. Loved it. You're still are you still on the huddle board though? Kind of. Aye. Yeah. I mean, it's the death of the forums. You know, back in the day that was folk would go on a lot, but. Uh, you just, aye, you know, you get to, it's too instant on Twitter now, so you, you tend not to go on it as much. I, I still would say, especially now, that I would, I still give a wee bit more weight to what I read in a forum, because someone's taking the time to log in and type it out, yeah. as opposed to, I don't know, log in type to Twitter out. and type <laughs> it out. Nah, I don't, I don't know, in the very, very fine margins between social media and forums, I'm, I'm still sticking with the forum. Maybe just for retro points as well. Loyalty. Loyal to the end. Yeah, he logs into it on his Super Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> I used to get me through a lot of long days at uni, just sitting there scrolling through every thread that was going. It was great. Yeah, I can agree more. Um, let, let's move on to just, we've got a, a giveaway. Um, our good friend Ross Hart, who's listened to the podcast uh, for a long time, he's a subscriber to the Cynic.com. Cynic.co comes to the live shows, just a lovely, lovely dude. Uh, he also does stuff for the Celtic Foundation, and he has given us four tickets um, to give away for the tour of Celtic Park. Alan, have you done the tour? I have. I've done it mm, a lot. I've done it last summer, actually, for Pamela's dad's 60th, I think, and um, it was really good. They've tidied it up a lot over the years. I would say it's a lot more slick. 
it would be good if they had a lot more space, but it is very, very good. And uh, maybe a wee, I think that I've not been in that new sports bar that have opened up as well. Oh, but um, with the crazy opening hours, the 8am till 4pm on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I've not been that desperate on a Friday morning yet, but hey, tomorrow might be the day. Yeah. Uh, but it is good, the tour. It's really good. And uh, the guides are usually pretty good as well. And there's always wee nuggets of information. Something new every time. Chris, you've got uh, a football daft, at least one son. The other son kind of likes football. What's your kind of, have you taken them to the tour? I have um, a couple of times. I've been a few times myself over the years. In fact, I remember the first time I went, I was probably the 80s, the late 80s, Chris. Eh? Jesus. Eh? Wasn't even the 90s. Um, so I've taken them, but I was thinking about it recently, actually overdue a revisit. We 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 did the Hamden tour not long ago, which was also very good. Uh, and uh, cheaper. Just go. leave that hanging there. Pay for what you get, didn't you? Um, well... You know, there was a lot of Celtic content on the Scottish football tour. But no, definitely, I, I, it's great. I mean, you, every time you go, you're still kind of buzzing to see things that you've already seen. And it's great going um, with, you, with the kids as well, because they're kind of maybe soaking it up a wee bit more each time, because, you know, they were, when they're younger. So definitely overdue a visit. That might be maybe in the, the next school holidays, I'll take them along. Very good. Maybe. Maybe I'll get four free tickets. <laughs> if, you, if you enter the competition, certainly. Indeed. Well, you, you will not be entering the competition. the <laughs> difference between the first time I did the tour, which would have been when I was, I don't know, five or six maybe, and when I did the tour last summer. Much less impressed nowadays by Rod Stewart's seat than I was back, <laughs> <laughs> back in the mid-90s. Um, Still impressed by Billy Conley's? Or? Very impressed by Billy Conley's, yes. I. Um, I think he's actually been a few times this season. Um, yeah. Great stuff. Um, so as we say, um, Ross has been very kind and the Celtic Foundation have been very kind to give us four tickets. Uh, so what all, all you have to do to enter is you can enter via um, sending a WhatsApp message uh, to 07457 402 or sending an email, editor at the And all we're looking for is for you to say uh, if you could have any piece of Celtic memorabilia, what would it be? And uh, we will pick the names uh, from a hat and we'll reveal them this week, next week. So just a reminder, it's 07457 402 or editor at the Four tickets up for grabs. Uh, thanks to Ross and the Foundation. Um, season tickets. Season tickets. Up yep. for renewal. Um, my tickets went up by 15 quid. So about 3%, I think, overall. For yourself, Chris, you went up by a lot. Uh, roughly that, I think... I can't. I can't remember what I paid last season, but it's. It's. I think it was five seven something, and it's five nine seven this season. Um, next season, sorry. I mean, there's a. A lot of people saying it could be worse, and it isn't a huge increase through, but it's still an increase, and um, there's a lot of people who can ill afford it. I'm not sure the club necessarily has to do it, given how our finances have been. Um, so I'll leave it there. I've, don't want to stick the boot right in because things are going well and obviously it's not a huge increase but at the same time, you know, charitable foundations and all that it could have maybe have been held off. Alan, do you want to, uh, you want to start? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll just go on a rant for 20 minutes. Um, yeah, it, <clears throat> it, it's it's good that it's not getting up at the same rate as most other household bills are which is positive because if it did then I think a lot of people would not be in that position. I think I'd seen online that there's a 10,000 plus waiting list as well, mm. which they'll be well aware of. Um, 
it's I think it's fine. It's actually quite good. It's not went up as much, but I'm just always reticent to give credit for a, what is ultimately a price increase. Um, and I do what I think gets me about it is, and it is just a moan. And you know, I know people might switch off, but very quickly, there is. It does feel like it. It's not an essential season ticket. It's not food. It's not clothing. It's not you know heating. But to a lot of people, it's the kind of, especially for folk with kids, it's the one thing that can maybe, you know, they could spend time with their kids at the football and it's it's not a cheap day out um, and there's no support for people that maybe that extra 20 quid is a tipping point. But that's just the nature of it. A lot of people will just be saying, if you can't afford it, don't go. I just think it's very cold-hearted, to be honest, to do that. But look, it's been up more in previous years, so uh, there's no point in rehashing the debates from that time. Um, and it's good that it's not anywhere near as much as you know, other bills went up. So, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. No. Just, it's just a price increase, isn't it? You're never going to be happy just, with it. Of course, of course I, yeah, good points uh, all round. Um, let's move on to the game and let's move on to uh, the opening question. Uh, obviously, the semi-final, you were all at the semi-final. Um, <coughs> actually, b- before we even get to the opening question, which is a good one from Kenny, uh, uh, Christopher Sarmani, how are you feeling? Uh, you know, five days out, four days out. What's your thoughts on uh, the game itself and what was your experience of uh, Hamden? A uh, wee bit tiddly at Hamden, um, but all good. It was a good day. Um, rewatched the game. I've rewatched it a couple of times to refresh some of the, 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 the points that I may not have remembered. I mean, it's one of those performances where it's a, it's a common phrase that we've been using on uh, the podcast for the last wee while about us not being at our sparkling best. Um there's reasons for that. We'll, we'll probably come and talk about the performances of individual players. Um, one of the other main reasons is they're, they're they're set up to stop us from doing that. But at the same time, I, I thought we were comfortably the better team. We had chances that we didn't convert. You know, that seems to be missing from the narrative from the other side of uh, the city in terms of they're solely talking about the chances that they missed and how if they'd taken them, you know, it would have been a completely different story. For me, there's not only this game, but in the last few games, there's been a sense that if we needed to do more, we could have done more. Um, and what I think is, was more apparent in the game in, in, uh, um, at the weekend was that we're able to kind of defend well and comfortably. You know, there's this whole kind of narrative about Ange that it's a one-track mind, it's a one system where we just go all out of, to attack, and that's not true. There's been evidence of that at Ibrox last season and in some other games. And when we did that, I don't think we do that and it's like kind of stopping an avalanche. I think we're very good at it, and it makes the last part of the game comfortable, especially the last 20 minutes. I think by that point in the game... You know, we decided, right, this is enough, we'll just defend this. And they had no answers, absolutely no answers at all. So for me, it was another fairly comfortable victory. From our perspective, we, you know, there's a bit of introspection about what we can do better and, and, and how we can improve, but ultimately, worthy winners, end of. Uh, Alan, again, we, we covered this on, on the agenda and we also had uh, the review as well with uh, Colin and Graham, kind of, Colin, sorry, Colin and Christian breaking down the, the game from a tactical point of view. How are you feeling four or five days out? Because there's been a lot of coverage, as Chris says, that maybe some of it just is some weird fantasy land that we weren't privy to. Yeah, I think, um, I, th- I think it's easy in terms of, you know, media space to talk about one team having 
an inability to beat another team and building it up and actually saying it's more than just 90 minutes it's it's a mental block and like if if the shoe was not a foot we would be probably um, doing exactly that and trying to think there must be you know a reason bluntly in, in my opinion and what I watched and similar to Samani watched it back I've seen one team that started the game with the intent to go and be the aggressor and be the protagonist in the story and that was Celtic. Rangers started the game in the back foot, content not to give anything away. Um, I think they had the shot within what, 90 seconds. Then after that, it was really about don't give anything away, don't get caught out. But they do, um, because they make a really, really daft error. But the goal, I think, I, I look at it from our point of view, I thought it was outstanding. Dyson made his cross, is superb. The sharpness of thinking and Jota doing exactly what the manager wants to do is being the sharpest at the back post. Then it becomes a very different game. I don't think we were very good the second half. I thought we were really, really poor. Um, but you give yourself a great chance when you score the first goal. I think we, I think last week on one of the pods you asked if you could have one thing defined going into the game, what would it be? And I, I think and it was on a lunch club. I said if Celtic score first because if Rangers' whole game plan to me and as just from what you see is just to go out and try and get something, get something for nothing. Look, well, it's a really good setup. it'll work well for them, but seeing games that you need to go and win and you don't, you know, really take the initiative, it leaves you in a really vulnerable position. And I, Genuinely, I think the manager's getting a complete pass. So many games now that they've classed as must win against Celtic and they haven't had a proper goal because they've sat, waited for the game to come to them or wait for something to fall into their lap. That hasn't happened and then they're, you know, chasing from that position. So I, th- I think they got... To be honest, I think we just got exactly what it deserved from the game. Nothing. Look, they missed one big chance, but... It's the same final that's going to happen. Yeah, just going, if it was me, if I was watching Celtic, I would allow that tactic if I felt you're playing against top-level opposition and you think, no, I don't want to kill him. Mm. The Rangers really feel that they're that far behind Celtic that they're really... I know they get cuffed early in the season, and we like to laugh and a joke about it, but over 90 minutes, you think you, you can't go and have a goal with a team... You know, with the, some of the players I've got, I just think it's. I, I think the manager gets a complete pass, to be honest. So it's good for us, it's fine. And I think next season we'll want to go into it, play better. But thought of the weekend, I don't think they deserve much from the game. Yeah. And, so and, I, approached it. and I think as well, they've been breaking it down into sections of what they like and what they don't like. Yeah. And, 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 we were the one there's, it feeds into a narrative that if we had a better, a, a tracking, um, front three, um, you know, if Kent wasn't, Head wasn't elsewhere, or if Morelos was heads wasn't elsewhere, etc., etc. Yeah. We'd have won that game. The narrative being that they won the midfield battle. Now, I, I mean, I I think they were quite workmanlike, and I think at points, especially at the start of the second half, you know, they were there was endeavour, they were kind of dogged. There wasn't real moments of quality from them. No, and I think that well, real. We'll maybe talk about Hitati in a bit, bringing Hitati back in. Um, and, and, and McGregor, I think, was was fairly quiet. I, I think the narrative is just as, well, we won that midfield battle as opposed to, I think we would look at it and go, well, I don't think we were at the races today, especially Hitati, who'd obviously been dropped back in. But it's it's all very linear. It's almost like, right, we're better than them in midfield, right? That's taken care of. If we can then improve this or we can improve... I can we improve the other two huge parts of our team, which is the forward line and defence? And that's it's obviously... Fucking, it's obviously not the way it works. And then there's no kind of conversation about 
the midfield and you know the latter stages of the game where we made quality substitutions and just shut them down. I mean, to the point where it was one 0 in a semi final. Quite a number of those fans were leaving before eighty minutes, and you're thinking there must have been a sense or an understanding that we are not going to get back into this game because of the way we were set up and controlling it. So, aye. It, it fizzled out. Great points. It fizzled out, and I think that's well. At the stadium, you're always nervous. You're always nervous when um, when you go in and there's only a goal in it. But see, in reality, see the last fifteen minutes, you really got. Do you know the point actually for me that I thought. This is we might be all right here, and again, I don't think we played well in the second half. You see, when they brought Scott Arfield on, and it wasn't, and, and that's that. Like, genuinely, I'm saying this with a straight face. This isn't me just taking a, a victory lap. Yeah, I might do that <laughs> later. But a player that they've not really given any game time at all to, and what did he get? Thirty five minutes, maybe. I, yeah. I don't remember the exact. But they're going to him at that point. I just thought I felt like they'd run the race, and granted, they hit the post, they miss a chance. See, beyond that. There was really nothing, and genuinely, you were just kind of, you were waiting for the whistle to go, and it kind of felt like they were waiting on the whistle to go, I mean, they, they had no attempts whatsoever, an injury time, and it just, you know, it did, I think it's the one that says, the subs, it did feel like we were fitter, stronger, and we just knew, like, we're not going to do anything stupid here that will jeopardise us, and it's a team that just knows, like, get ourselves a goal up, we definitely need to play better, and we'll come in and talk about that, but we know we're not going to, you know, shoot, shoot ourselves in the foot. And we've, we've talked about it over the last few weeks and I, I, I've been of the opinion that on any given day they might be able to set up and beat us, right? It, it's daft to say otherwise, right? It's football. Of course it is. I mean, in these games obviously take on a, a slightly different dimension because of the, the, the stakes that, that exist there. But it's, it, it's nine times, you look at that and you think, kind of nine times out of ten you think we're going to win. You know, the, the way that it looks, the way that we're approaching the game, the difference in quality that extra sharpness, obviously, that kind of will to win. It, it just seems as if when we go into these games, we're more streetwise and we're more kind of match prepared than them. And the, the thing about it, though, is everything's so, the, the stakes are so high and the narrative around it is such that if that shot had gone in and they'd maybe given a foul to O'Reilly and it ended up 1-0 to Rangers, it would be... A complete disaster for a lot of our support and for them it would be a triumph in that it's you know we're on the way and we're overtaking it you know sometimes you can't just base everything on a single game which is what happens every single time yeah so if you're looking at it based on each time we've played them this season you know the plus points and negative points I don't think anybody can suggest that they're anywhere near close enough to us as they have to be and for me that's it really do you know it's uh We've, if you're kind of com- combining, was it six times we've played them? Yeah. yeah. If you look at the quality moments they've produced in those six games versus the quality moments we've produced, five. Yeah. I we've got I'll one more six, to play. Yeah, yeah, we've got one more to play. So yeah, yeah. Um, do you know? Just be, we'll get to the question um, in just a second. But you know, um, Alan, you make the point that kind of Beal's been their manager's been given a pass. You know, we've been told for years he's this, you know, tactical wizard and he's going to set up in a way that Celtic won't be able to figure out and all that. You know, from what I've seen, you know, and I'm just, you know, I'm not the most tactically minded, but it just seems a bit one-dimensional, no? I mean, even if you get really good players to do that, they're still going to play a specific type of way that, you know, it might kind of garner success in, in certain positions, but, like, the way we play football is, you know, 
beautiful and all that and pure class. Um, but it's also it's it's there to win the game. We play football to win the game of football. Mm. It doesn't matter who we're playing. And you know, and sometimes you know, there's a level of naivety that you know, Champions League and stuff. But you know, we play to win. They play to not lose. I just, well, you know, it against, does get a pass, doesn't it? It's, against us, it feels like every game they've played to really make sure they don't lose. Um, specifically the last three games really they've played to hang in there and you know mm. try and get something um, against other teams the defensive shape I think is really really good and it does make it difficult for teams to play through them going forward I, I, I really don't know I mean I just anytime I see them they try play out but as soon as any pressure jeopardy or anything at all they just send it straight up the park and it's really I mean the t- type of team you're playing against the league you'd always want to play through I mean as it's I don't know but maybe they just don't believe in the personnel they've got maybe they think they need a real overhaul but uh, leaving everything down to recruitment's a big big risk so I don't know enough about their performances against other teams but try and go through as soon as you don't you know give it a centre half and you'll send it along and the, the midfield players that are brought in to bring in creativity, they just ask them to work really hard defensively. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought, absolutely. you know, they talk about Cantwell a lot and look, he's played down south. All I see is him trying to shut off passes from defenders. When he gets the ball, he's largely ineffective against us. Has no-look pass without anyone <laughs> anywhere near him at the weekend aside um, that fooled the whole stadium. Uh, that, that aside, um, I've, I've not really seen it from them. So, you know... They like to talk, so maybe next year we'll see the real Rangers. <laughs> so, that I mean, if there is going to be this big rebuild, because I think we know that there's going to be some players that there's going, you know, it's whether they're going to choose to go all in on the manager. Now, what the manager's done is repeated. I mean, the, the Gerard era of Rangers was him really tactically. We've, we were always led to believe that, which is why when he came back, he was lauded as the tactical genius behind him. So, it's... Maybe not exactly the same, but it's the same it's the same ethos, it's the same system. Spoilers, destroyers, try and stop them playing and then move that forward. Even though, and you hit the nail on the head there, you know, you've got guys like Tillman, you've got guys like Cantwell, um, uh, Raskin, you know, ostensibly football players, that's the way that they've been portrayed, that's what they've been brought into, and they've been asked to be workmanlike, they've been asked to be dogged. So, if you're looking for that quality from players... And you're then going to, you're still going to fall back onto that. Is that what he's going to do? Is there going to be a change of t- tactics from the master tactician? Because you need to make a choice. Are you going to get, are they essentially going to regroup and buy players that they think are better for that system? Or are they going to make a change? I'm not sure. And, and then that, you know, feeds into the ire of the support if that then doesn't work. And then again, you've got a squad that's entirely built for that style of football and you then maybe need to re- overhaul it again. And I think that also touches on how lucky we were and how quickly and how things went when Ange came in because that was another risk. It's entirely plausible we could have brought in the man um, Postacoglu. It could have been a disaster and... You know, we've got a lot of players that, you know, that's the nature of football, but they are at a crucial juncture. To talk <clears throat> about us, the one thing that when Postacoglu came in and was able to do, though, was the players that were here is is really sell them on his vision. That's true. And yeah. then really get them performing. You 
you think about, you know, the the heart of your team as McGregor and having that example, having a player of that technical ability that then takes that message through. But even the players that have left and the players that he had for a while, he was able to get a tune largely out of everyone at some point. Mm. I think that's where Postacoglu's squad management from largely from day one since he's been here has really been incredible. He's been able to, at different times when we had really severe injuries last year, really severe injuries last year, was able to bring other guys in and it to be as seamless as it could be given sometimes a really dramatic drop-off in quality. You know, you look at what we got out of David Turnbull, a player who a lot of fans now would scoff at the idea of him being a starter next season, got us through first six months of Ange, him and Tom Roderick playing as two number eights. Wild. We got a long between them. I know. Um, so I think that's where to sell our manager and what he's good at as opposed to look at them negatively. That's what we've, I think, Postacoglu has been able to do and I think that might be the definition of a great coach. Someone that can get quality out of players who have ability but maybe they're not going to show it, maybe they're alone confidence but he keeps them competitive so that when they are called upon, they're ready. Great example at the weekend. Not saying he was incredible but Anthony Nelson not kicked a ball in months. Yeah. Not kicked a ball in months. Comes on First two touches, he's not got one Celtic player coming towards him because we've made changes, it's nervy, we're not playing well. Comes on to situational and he's able to handle it because he's A, kept himself in peak physical condition. I mean, I think when I watched the game back generally, when I seen him come on, you looked at him and thought, he's not played football in five months, but he's obviously working hard. And he was able to come on seamless, nothing silly defensively, kept it ticking along, just really professional. Everybody and knows that, exactly what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Mm. And, and that's the thing, like for a player like him, he might... He might have been thinking, by the way, I might not kick a ball the rest of the season. This season's largely done. I'm not going to play on Saturday because Johnson's there. And then after that, you know, there's not a lot of football to be played. Matt O'Reilly, weeks ago, we were saying he's not looked at it, but he might come back. Standout performance at the weekend. Um, so that squad management, and that's how you do it. Moving on players at the right time, keeping it competitive, keeping your distance, whatever it is. It's, you know, it's, there's a lot to, there's a lot of credit, I think, that has to go to the manager. Just on O'Reilly, obviously the foul in the lead up to the goal that wasn't given. That's been quite good in terms of some Rangers fans I've spoken to. I mean, how did he not give that as a foul? Well, I'm sorry, you're going to need to repeat that. I agree wholeheartedly. And it's almost like it was a negative for uh, them, I, I suppose, to us. Um, Itati came on. Uh, we did a, as we, we uh, on Tuesday, yeah, I'm, bab- I'm babbling. The Cynic.co on Tuesday, we did a tactical breakdown. Um, uh, Christian and Colin talked about Hitati, um and his kind of work off the ball. It wasn't at his sparkling best again, but. You know the guy's quality, Chris? I didn't think he would, you know, you're always going to get 100% effort from Hitati, and we know what he's capable of, and that's why when his name was in the starting 11, I think everybody got a big lift. Um, same with Jota. I think Jota's performance was significantly better than Hitati's, but you don't look at that and you, you're critical of him, you just, I think you understand the circumstances. He's been dropped in with a period of time out with a... It was a hamstring injury, wasn't it? So that takes a bit of recovery time. We've seen what happened with Moy when he was brought back in as well. Although Hitati's younger, it's, you know, it, sometimes you just need that wee bit of um, kind of um, game time to get back up to speed. His passing was off. Um, I think he was, I'm, I'm, maybe, I'm not being harsh on him, but I do think he was really quite particularly poor. I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if he'd maybe been pulled at half-time, at half-time um, given the options that we had in the bench. But, you know, that's, I mean, you could make an argument then that that obviously allowed them to have more of a grip in the midfield because we didn't have a fully firing um, 
Rio Hatati in the Hatati. team. But um, me off. <laughs> Sorry, but it's great to have him back, and he's, he, you know he's going to have big moments between now and the end of the season. So it doesn't matter, you know. We brought him back; he wasn't at his sparkling best, as we say. But you know, I understand the reasons behind that. Uh, we talked about this on the agenda, so I'll, I'll stick with Chris for this, Alan, if you don't mind. Uh, Joe Hart, we're very quick to you know say he's the guy that we need to be, you know, need to replace, and um, you know, understandably so. Um, I thought he was good Saturday. Very assured. Um, Just the ball was good as well. Yeah, and he was. He looked confident. He looked sharp. There was some fairly big moments in terms of the way. You're not so much huge saves because they didn't have many chances, as we talked about. But even just his commanding of the box, there was a couple of times where never a big fan of goalkeepers punching it, but Hart quite often does that. But he did it really effectively a couple of times where he got real distance on the ball and just kind of. You know, took the sting out of the situation. Um, I don't think there's any doubts about Hart's um, qualities as a goalkeeper in terms of any stature and he's standing amongst the squad. We've talked about him being, he's not the captain, but he's a captain, a leader within the dressing room, somebody that kind of instills confidence. He's been there, he's done it. What, well, many times did he win the Premier League with Man City, played in big Champions League games? You know, there'll be players at the club who will look up to him and stuff like that. Still does come back though, doesn't it, to his ability on the ball and stuff like it's that. It's probably more just his age as well. Like, you know, people forget he is, what, 35? You know, he's... Yeah. I mean, some keepers, you know, keepers can last longer, as we know. Um, but, you know, sometimes it just gets a wee bit too far. Perhaps I mean, his uh, opposing goalkeeper uh, at the weekend <laughs> might be looking to hang them up as well. How do you think um, Joe Hart will do with uh, coming, you know, being number two to Barkas next season? Or? Oh, don't. Don't. <laughs> I did. Don't find that funny. <laughs> He's but genuinely upset. I love a laugh on here, but, but there's certain things, and that is right up there. We were talking before we started recording about the West Ham friendly. He's had his chances. We remember the great video. Yes, Barky. Just give him every penny of his contract and leave all his stuff outside his flat and get someone else to collect it. Do not bring him back. He's just no very good. But, uh, his, his time's done here. But He's not to come back. Sorry, mate. See, not, notwithstanding the fact that he never made a save of note in any game he played for us, I never thought the guy was very good with the ball at his feet. I know. Once or twice. It's De Vries as well, wasn't it? We brought De Vries <laughs> in and it was like, this guy's going to revolutionise Scottish football up here. It's like, he can't even kick. Oh, it was a knuckleball. <laughs> Why did you that? do that voice? I don't know. <laughs> It was a knuckleball. It was a knuckleball. Or was, uh, it was Brendan Rodgers. He's probably still got about five years in his deal as well. Aye, fuck us. Uh, listen, mate, let's go to the opening question because Kenny um, kindly sent us in the opening question. Um, how comfortable are you with that second half on Sunday? Does it look like we're more adept at going ahead in a game and then not being exposed at the back, allowing the opposition to have the ball, just defending the box in the space behind, which could be a good tactic to employ in the Champions League? Or is it more a case of we were just uh, a little bit poor and couldn't get the ball off a team a level above the rest of the league, which would be a little bit of a worry. Um, Chris, you kind of touched on that earlier as well. So, Alan, let's get, kind of get your thoughts on that. Um, you know, that ability to take a lead and then not defend it, but certainly, you know, counter-attack, I guess. Yeah, I, I believe in the team's ability to defend, especially domestically, even against strangers. I think we've seen that. There's loads of examples of that now. Ibrox last year in a key game, um, where it kind of felt similar, um, probably a wee bit more intense at that point. 
I'm not comfortable with the second half. I don't think we were very good and I don't think it was a game plan to go out and say, you know, don't worry about it, just sit in, don't give anything away. I think last 10 minutes, maybe that's that's a wee bit more uh, how I would kind of feel. I just don't think we got a grip of it and I don't think we properly got a grip of it. I think it was actually uh, Cal McGregor that at one point, I think he took the ball in traffic a few times, dropped off and then went again and he hadn't done that for the first maybe 15 minutes of the game. Yeah. Once he did that, once we broke through, I actually felt like at that point we started to get a grip on it. But there was maybe a maybe five to ten minute spell where we couldn't get out, kept giving it away, weren't holding it up. Kyogo was, you know, largely a spectator. Um, so it's, it's not ideal, but we talk about game state a lot. You give yourself a lead like that, you know, and you defend largely things that were defendable. I think you're not feeling like there's particular jeopardy. Uh, there's no threat in behind. Um, so I think we played to that, played quite nice and high at times. And then once, I think Awata and Moy made a difference. Took them maybe two or three minutes after they come on to actually settle in. Um, Awata had his normal... Uh, first touch at Hamden, which appears to be awful, awful every single yeah. time. Uh, well, he's, he's two occasions, uh, both of which have been launched straight into the main stand. After that, I thought actually they were really important. I think Awat and Moy actually deserve a lot of credit because late on in the game, Aaron Moy even pressing down Alan McGregor to make it difficult for them to play out and play that long ball. And Awata just composed in the ball, seen it out, clearly fit and strong. So there's loads to work on. Uh, but I thought in the first half we were really good. Actually, I think a lot of people underplayed their first half performance. I thought some of the movement, the rotations with the midfielders were excellent. I thought Matt O'Reilly was superb. Um, and I think, yeah, it's it's done. See, in a game like that, it's you, the manager will analyse it. It's a concern that you haven't played exceptionally well, but it's another game where you largely deserve to win quite handsomely. Um, so it's not one that I'm... Um, I don't think there's anything more beyond that, to be honest. I don't think there's a systemic issue. They're a stubborn team, difficult to play against, but, you know, just deal with it. Uh, I've got, got a question for you, Chris. It's not on the rundown, so it's Oofed. coming fast and furious. Uh, it's Can from, you pick up milk from the shop on the way home? Yes, it's from your lovely wife. Uh, this is It's from Sean Fallon. No? Oh. So there you go. I don't know if it's the... It's not the assistant manager to... No. Um, even all, first off, can we call Gal out for his um, Rangers patter about Kyogo needing to stop diving? He was given no protection for the ref and was on the end of some nasty tackles at the weekend. Uh, Buy out uh, your order, Gal. Mm-hmm. Consider yourself called right. Called right out. I apologise. You should, you should dive uh, more, to be honest. Sorry? I think you should dive more. I do as well, actually. I'm going to f- I'm gonna flip it. Dive more. Um no, uh, great stuff. Uh, also, stick more on uh, that big centre half of theirs. Gives him a right tour of time with a wee late tackle. Love that. Davis? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really He's, like that. Oh, he, we, we fucking we avoided that bomb scale there, am I right, lads? I'm pretty sure it was Neil Lennon that wanted to sign him, wasn't it? The, the, yes. <laughs> there must be nothing worse as a professional football player of what, 6 2, and you get stuck in your ass by a 5 7 striker. Which is fine, that happens. Who then tries to help you up oh. as like ultimate dish. That must be... You can, no wonder he was trying to go on me play quickly, by the way, after going down and having a wee cry. He does... Eb Kyogo does a thing when he pats him on the head. Love at, it. Halfway up. Love yeah. it. That, Love here's it. the actual um, second part of the question from Sean. Uh, secondly, how much are you looking forward to celebrating a potential treble? And how does it potentially compare to any other any of the trebles you've experienced previously? Keep up the great ta- content, Sean. So... 
This is huge, Chris. Um, obviously, um, Ange Postecoglou, you know, we mentioned this on the weekly. There's not a lot of select managers that have won trebles. Um, so he would go right up to uh, his status as a manager would go up tenfold. Um, how how important is it and how where, where would it rank for you, do you think, in the recent 40 billion trebles that we've done? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think we touched on this last week in, in in terms of, I mean, I think we went into a wee conversation about the League Cup and youth players and things like that. So I suppose, generally speaking, my position is domestic dominance is fantastic, winning trebles is fantastic, but we should be looking beyond that in terms of building a squad to be competitive in Europe. Putting that to one side, um, it would probably be... Well, we're talking about trebles that I've seen. A Neil's treble and the Invincible treble are pretty close. The Neil's because of what had came before it and the yeah. fact that we hadn't done it for so long and the age I was probably at the time. The Rogers Invincible treble because it was an Invincible treble. This would be, this would be third. Third, yeah. Um, and it's weird ranking it like that because you're kind of ranking that. In, in terms of what it means to you but if we're taking this in terms of what I think it potentially means for the squad it, for me it's unbelievable for the manager to do this you know the Scottish Cup final I've always viewed the Scottish Cup final as our day it's always like our trophy if we don't get that end of the season trip I always feel as if we've been robbed and this will be a clean sweep of, of kind of trophies for the manager in here and for me it's a stepping stone to hopefully begin on to bigger and better things so when I go up there, obviously, you know, when I go, I'm assuming I'll get a ticket. Well, should ah, be a, we're all getting three tickets should, each. <laughs> should be a bit easier, hopefully. But, you know, if we if we get tickets and we go to the game and, and you soak that up, you know, the, you, you'll enjoy it as much as you will enjoy any cup final, you know, assuming we win as well. But there'll be a part of it saying that man's come in and he's just kind of blown absolutely everybody away. So, yeah, it'll mean a lot. And I think it'll mean a lot in terms of what's still possible under the manager it's amazing what he's done sometimes you just need to sit back and think how amazing he has done in such a short period of time and there's absolutely no naysayers really and that's you know you think back to Rogers seeing Rogers saying season there was a hell of a lot of naysayers me and you girl me and you yep. um, th- that's not the case just now everybody's on board and everybody's just kind of mesmerised by what he's doing and where we're going you know that he needs to keep that up but for me, it would be a, a, a crown with a cherry on top of a crowning achievement cake. <laughs> you've, you've worked yourself into a shoot there, Pat. Aye, that'll do. Sounds delicious. Aye, it does. Um, see, see that, see having that, I'll, sorry, I'll bring you in a second, Alan, but see having that day, that Hamden trip right there um, and just it to tr- top off a treble. Aye, aye. It's lovely, isn't it? It's like a cherry, <laughs> it's like a cake. Alan... <laughs> Uh, two things. One, I think O'Neill's first treble is let's stand alone up there. I really think it would be difficult, especially around our age, to think of anything different. That was remarkable. Um, double treble for me was probably my second, just because back to back. What? Oh, sorry, you didn't like your fucking three trophies that year. <laughs> sorry, t- Tom Rogic. Now, if, if you can. Check the archives, right? I was never Tom Roderick's biggest fan, but that moment. But it's not that moment. And all that. No, that was not the question. It was, what is your favourite treble? Um, so, is that that was? I that, reject your criticism. That was Motherwell, we make. Oh, the, the finals, yeah, they weren't uh, pretty comfortable. I think uh, Motherwell and 
both. Both. It was Aberdeen and both in the first. Yeah. Um, but just doing it back to back um, was pretty special. I think if, and it's a big if, we do it this year because we've still got a league to tidy up and we've still got a final and I'm sure there'll be loads of Inverness fans listening, trying to cut in and just getting it ready in case. Yeah. But if we did, I think this would be a chart style straight in at number two. Um, just because... Behind new, Yeah. Aye. I, I think O'Neill's first season just... That just blew me away. And do you know, I, I don't think we could ever do a treble ever again that would beat that for me just in terms of... What age were you? Uh, 2012. Aye. Through the eyes of how you get in, you know. <laughs> I, I agree with him. You, I, I, you literally said that it's very close and I can't really call it. Aye, I, I'm not saying it wasn't, but I think... I just think... I think, that, I think did you not pick that as your number one as well? I said that and the Invincible Treble were very close and I probably would lean towards that, but you're saying it's you're far out and it's I, I just think we to be that far behind and bring a manager in who yeah but you're against the most competitive Rangers team you'd probably face and you just uh, blew them away. The league was absolutely long gone. Well, it, was, it just felt incredible. Well, it, was, it was terrific. Gangad yeah. Street parted a lot. Um, <laughs> the <never>. other thing... <laughs> <laughs> Why are you being so obtuse with this? I think he's just annoyed because of the double travel thing. He's trying to... wild, man. Aye. Aye. Sorry, then, like, your fucking three trophies. <laughs> uh, the other thing was just... Uh, just a <laughs> Spoiled bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like the premise of the question is, <coughs> of all the trebles you've won recently, which is your favourite? And we're having an argument about it. I like... I agree with the Scottish Cup. It is our day. Obviously, we've got an incredible record over that over our history. But see what we've done with the League Cup over the last kind of five, six, seven years has been really has changed what the way I look at that trophy now. Mm. We've used it as a wee kind of palate cleanser to then go <laughs> and win the league in the Scottish Cup. And previously, it was like if you win it, it's great. But now it feels like when you win the League Cup, now it kind of feels like yeah, it's going to be a good season, especially with it being earlier. So. That's went up my estimations in recent years. Yeah. So um, big up the League Cup. Uh, He's just been awkward. Come on, move the, on, Chris. <laughs> and the double treble. Right. Chris, can I speak to you privately? Yes. Indeed. Do you know what I like? It was the celebrations for the double treble that were really good as well. Anybody that was down there that day will remember as well. So don't you be don't you be too snide about it, boy. Uh, I agree. Nice day as well. I think, I think the Martin, I think the Martin <laughs> His favourite treble, it was down to the weather. <laughs> <laughs> it was a solid 28 degrees. <laughs> Not a cloud in the sky. <coughs> but <coughs> not if you were a Rangers fan, of course. Wonder, I wonder if there's anyone who'd say the Neil Lennon treble. Um, Neil Lennon, maybe. <laughs> unlikely. Yeah. I want to thank Mr. Lawwell, Mr. Desmond. <laughs> who, was, who was that? Sorry. <laughs> that was someone not Neil Lennon. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know who that was. Um, Great feeling though when that penalty went in. Remember, because we were all sitting in the house watching. And you were just glad it was over. <laughs> Um, Celtic FC women are, anyway, you go, Celtic FC women are currently taking on uh, Rangers. Um, it's uh, a huge game. It's ha- we're recording this. It's half time at the moment. It's nil uh, nil. Disallowed goal from Caitlin Hayes. Claire Wild is there. We cover the Celtic women's uh, football team uh, every week on the Celtic women's football show, uh, which you can get on the cynic dot co. Um, so Claire and Lorenzo will have a big report on that. And uh, next Thursday, Glasgow City come to Celtic Park. Um, which you know, it's great to see the kind of the Green Brigade and the boys and everyone get behind, uh, get behind that. And hopefully next week will be a really fantastic event and occasion. Because if Celtic win today and they win next week, 
pretty much in our hands to win the title. So it would be a first title. So let's uh, fingers crossed for that. And uh, we can't wait for it. But yeah, as we say, we cover the Celtic uh, FC women every single week on the Celtic Women's Football Show uh, at thecynic.co. Um, Tour of Japan, South Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of cool. Uh, uh, Chris, what's your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it's good. Um, there's the Tour of Japan, obviously, the links we've now got with you know, the, the league in the country with the players that we've signed. It makes perfect sense from a commercial opportunity, I imagine. The, Peter is sitting there rubbing his hands. Rubbing his hands, rubbing his hands at the, the, the possible um, income that's generated from it. But, you know, I, I think it's exciting even from our perspective because I imagine there will be a bit of a kind of fanfare. There will be a bit of a furore because it's it's not just Kyogo. It's, it, it's, it's like... What five players I think that we've got at the, at the moment, so we'll probably get swept up in that. You know, we'll be seeing the Japanese news reports and things like that. So that's that's pretty exciting. We were talking, I think, um, just before we came on about friendlies in general. You know, normally they don't kind of interest me too much, but I'll be tuning in for that. Uh, the kind of uh, the wee videos that they had on Celtic social media, I thought were really, really good, really good fun. Um, and obviously, so it's Japan and South Korea. I'll just, I'll read out, this is from the Celtic website, just a quick kind of overview. Celtic will take on Wolverhampton Wanderers at the Suwon World Cup Stadium in South Korea this July as part of an exciting summer tour, which we'll see at Ange Postacoglu's site also visit Japan. The game's on July the 26th. Um, sorry, the game on July the 26th will see Celtic's Korean striker O um, faces Philly Countryman, um, who plays for the English Premier League side and who is one of South Korea's heroes at the East World Cup. Celtic and Wolves have played in a number of friendly blah, blah, blah. There are two other matches scheduled in the summer um, at the Incheon Aziad Stadium, starting with Wolves facing Roma on July 29th before the town side take on look. I don't know why that's part of the thing. Uh, but yeah, these matches really are brought. <laughs> I, I really should have cut this up into oh, um, more um, sustainable bits. But no, I mean, Alan, you know, it, it's good. You know, we we have this, um, you know, the eyes of South Korea and Japan. Uh, they're big football countries, they're big football markets, and they have a big interest in their players. So it's great to, uh, joking aside, it's great to, great to give a little back to them and let them see their players uh, play for Celtic. But it's also it's good for the supporters in those countries, like we saw with Australia, getting the opportunity to see Celtic in the flesh. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the, the commercial benefits... I'm sure we'll get a wee bit more. The club are usually quite good at briefing out good news like that. Um, so I'm sure we'll get a wee bit more detail and, you know, what, what we can expect there. Um, but just seeing just in a, a kind of individual level, it's, it might not mean a lot to us here, like Celtic playing, you know, a, a local team. If, you know, we do that, sometimes we played you know, Tampa Bay, for example, uh, many years back. You had a great played. article on the website, which is available to everyone at thecynic.co. Good plug, thank you. Um, <laughs> but see, that when you look at these things, and, you know, I, I a friend that was at the um, the game, uh, one of the games in the Australian tour, and it's just a great opportunity because it feels the connection that people feel to Celtic isn't, um, you know, it's not, you know, barred by geography. Um, so it's a great opportunity for people that they can actually see Celtic, whether you're an expat or whether you're someone that's just anti-Celtic and there'll be a lot of eyes on you know those players. Um, so I think it's great. It's a really, really good opportunity um, and I'm sure the club will make a lot of it when they're over there. So even for people like us back home, as Samani says, I think you'll see a lot of people that are um, you know 
following it keenly. I'm sure there'll be a lot of great content, uh, social media content this year from Celtic has genuinely been, been very, very good. Yeah. So there'll be a lot of that. So I'm, I think I'm more excited by it. I think the other thing as well, it's just one of the extra luxuries that we have currently with not having to qualify for the Champions League. Mm. I used to love these every year, but the American tours, you know, played in Philly, Boston, New York. It's just, it's a great opportunity and this is a slightly different dynamic now, but it's a really, really good opportunity for current fans, but also potential future Celtic fans to go as well. So, um, you know, hopefully in 20 years, someone younger than me will be writing an article somewhere about the one-time tour of Japan in uh, 2023. Absolutely. Can't wait for it. Should be great. Um, and as you guys say... Because the tour of the article, because you you were telling me you weren't feeling too good earlier on, 20 years, maybe a stretch, son. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Fucking hell. Wow. <laughs> I probably got that now. I'll, I'll leave it in. I'm leaving it in. Um... <laughs> This will be bad form if you're not feeling too well tomorrow. If I, if, can you imagine you get that news over the phone? <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be gutted. I'll be laughing then. Ah, you only. Uh, right, okay. <laughs> Do you know? I uh, will, but not about that, but about the irony of Ah, the you like a bit of irony. You've ah, always said I'll that. I'll probably not show my face at that funeral, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, I'm not be there, so I wouldn't worry about it. Can you not go any fucking detail about that? It's just a bit fucking much, mate. Um, but I, I probably should have covered this when we were talking about the Scottish Cup but obviously um, the time's been moved um, so let me just read out there was a statement <laughs> you still laugh are you laughing about the fact that you made a joke about me dying I yeah just uh, that was a great wasn't great content <clears throat> and then you started talking about the Scottish Cup final <laughs> and I was genuinely going to say you don't need to worry about the kick off time Oof, that dark Oh, sorry. It's a wee, wee light-hearted joke for the good week. <laughs> light-hearted joke. You're not talking about. You're not talking about your. Ah, we're having good fun. <clears throat> anyway, uh, the Scottish Cup, which apparently I don't have to worry about because uh, I'll be dead. Um, now, um, so obviously there was the big uh, furor over uh, the fact that the English FA Cup had been moved to three PM, and the Scottish Cup was potentially going to be like half twelve or something fucking wild. But uh, the Scottish uh, FA released a statement saying the Scottish FA can confirm that the twenty two twenty three men's Scottish Cup final will take place between Celtic and Inverness at Hampden Park on Saturday, June the third, with a five thirty PM kick off time. We'd like to thank all parties for their support in ensuring a slot uh, commensurate with Scottish football's showpiece occasion. Uh, the match will be broadcast live on BBC One and on Viaplay. Um, Celtic then released a statement really quickly after it, um, and the statement said it was really short. In response to this, a Scottish FA's announcement that the Scottish Cup and it's going to be moved, Celtic would like to issue the following statement. We are hugely disappointed that the Scottish Cup final has been moved from its traditional 3pm slot, something we don't believe was necessary or in the best interest of both sets of supporters. Additionally, there was no meaningful consultation with Celtic on this matter in terms of accessing the many issues affecting supporters attending the match, something which is extremely regrettable. Callie Thistle also came out with a kind of statement similar. Um, fucking pathetic. Chris, is how I would describe the Scottish FA's stance on this. How would you describe it? Well... A five kickoff. I mean, don't get me wrong, there is benefits there. <laughs> you know, there's that. I mean, in terms of marketing the game, in terms of, you know, the fact that it's been at 3pm forever, and then they've kind of just adjusted it. I mean, the the, the fact that the, the FA Cup final, there's been, a, you know, a, a long kind of storied discussion about, you know, how that's been devalued over the years, and the fact that they moved it to half five on a Saturday night did suggest that. Now that they've moved it back, I don't know if that's in... 
you know, reply to some of that, but it just seems a bit cheap and a wee bit kind of wee guyish to then move the Scottish Cup final to half past five. And I suppose I I agree with the, the statements from both clubs in terms of the, the thought process around it. However, a five on a Saturday night. I mean, it's going to be glorious. It's going, to, it's going to be glorious. Right? But, Alan, from the point of view of just, even optics, it just looks pathetic. It looks like we are being you know, co to the, the broadcaster because of a decision made in another country. It's fucking frustrating again, isn't it? Yeah, I think it doesn't look good from the outside because both clubs have now come out and said there was no, we, consultation. no consultation. And it's just another... I'm similar to you. Half-five's absolutely fine with me. I think a 3pm final for a cup final is appropriate. But a half-five, it doesn't make much difference to me. I know other people are different. Um but it just highlights that it's broadcasters that make the big decisions. It really isn't the person. I was about to say that pays at the gate there, but you don't get that at Celtic Games anymore. But it's just broadcasters. That's really, they call the shots, what they want, they get. And I think probably over the last two to three weeks in Scottish football, you've really seen that being hammered home so much. Um, so, yeah, but it won't impact um, too much, I think, those that are. Fortunate enough to get a ticket. Oh, I think, it'll imp- I think it'll impact a lot of people. A lot of people won't make it to the final, to be fair. So. <laughs> Pace yourself before that game. I'll, I mean, I'll be... I'll, that's, I'll be me. <laughs> that's the noise of a can opening. I mean, I'll, I'll be dead for a start. So. Right, let's know, uh, let's know, let's think forward, positive. So, Manny, how many cans of lager drink you'll drink before? Well, for at least two. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do a bit, but you know what, go fuck yourself. Um... <laughs> But you've got to pace yourself. Anybody listening, I'd just pace yourself before that game. You've got to make sure you see it. We'll have it. We'll see the first way. That's, that's, him, that's him kind of trying to be Mr. Nice Guy. Be careful out there. Have yeah. fun. You just wished you a, a happy death. Yes. But, uh, you know, Didn't wish. Expected. Um, predicted. <laughs> no, what we'll do is uh, on the lunch club before the Scottish Cup final, we'll have a wee guide to uh, pacing yourself <laughs> from the pub. Um, Callie Thistle are set, apparently set to receive 10,000 tickets uh, for the, the cup final. Um, an initial 8,000 allocation uh, is to be to be offered with a further 2,000 should demand exceed supply, which leaves a lot of tickets for us. Even if you take away all the, obviously, commercial tickets and tickets and, and all that stuff. Um, how many people are on the home cup tickets again? I'd imagine high 40,000. So 48, 49,000 maybe. Maybe maybe as low as forty five. <laughs> you try to talk yourself in. I've no idea. I really don't know. Um, do you think we've got we've got a fairly good chance of getting tickets? The odds are good, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> if you're on the home cup ticket scheme, which I am, we all are. We all yeah. are. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even at that, you know, it's yeah, the game in the cup final, the league cup final, and then the game at the weekend. There, you know. Getting tickets if you didn't get one in the ballot was really, really difficult. But I think, you know, when the allocation's this size, I think, generally speaking, those that really want to be there will find a way to be there just in terms of tickets being available. So um, it may not be the most glamorous, you know, we're obviously playing lower league opposition and you absolutely Oh, sticking, have it, up, but sticking it up Billy Dodds will be delightful. Oh, that would be good. You have to give them the opposition respect. They're there on merit and all that sort of stuff. But <laughs> that sounded really condescending. Um, but, you know, you've got to expect that there'll be tickets available. It's maybe not the most glamorous tie, but, you know, you'll definitely want to be there. Absolutely. Um, Alan, 
Someone who won't be there, unfortunately, is Cameron Carter Vickers. Oh. Um, <laughs> what you were going to say, Christopher Gallagher? <laughs> <laughs> see, see. By the way, see if that, that does happen, you're going to be absololly fucking. I'll be if I don't get full of guilt. If I don't get in the ballot, I'll be hacking your emails, buddy. <laughs> uh, it's disgraceful. Um, Cameron Carter Vickers is potentially out for between three and four months. Um, potentially missing the start of the. Kind of final, uh, sorry, start of the season. How worried are you about that? I think uh, actually between now and the end of the season, I think people are not underplaying it, but still get a cup final, still get some big league games. So you want to see out the season well. So it'll be interesting to see how presumably Kobe Ashley gets on at the weekend. Um, I think that would reassure us a lot if he had a really composed game at the weekend. A, we're able to win, but B, if he's able to show what he has shown in flashes. Um, against you know presumably it'll be a big game. Um, and Sunday. is this like a, is this like his audition for next I, season? I, I think it is. I, I think I said on the agenda on Monday. If you don't see good signs um, of you know real quality, strong defensively, comfortable on the ball, all the things that we've seen in little glimpses, you've now get the chance to see that over what six games. If you see that from him, then you look at it and think right he might be ready next season to either play in a back three or be one of the back two. If you don't, you're going into the market for a centre-half in the summer. So I think it is. It's, and I've heard a lot of people describe it as a good situation. It's as good a situation as you can get. Is it not just making good out of a bad situation? I think we have wanted to see him. So it is, you know, yeah, I, I suppose I'm just agreeing. But <laughs> if you don't, see if you don't see those signs... I think it then changes and you think we are going to have to go into the market for a centre-half in the summer because it feels poor, a poor form at the end of a season where we are going to be successful. But I probably don't want to start the Champions League qualifiers next year if we're playing with two centre-halves. I probably don't want it to be CCV and Starfield. And it's not because I don't like any of them. I'd like to see probably, if in my opinion, CCV plus one, maybe naturally more adept on the ball. And I know that sounds horrible and it's unfair to say at the end of the season, but you're talking progress in the Champions League next year. I think that starts with improvement in a couple areas and centre-half's one of them for me. So if that's not going to be Kobayashi, then... This is a good time to find out. Yeah, exactly. So um, it adds an extra wee wrinkle into the last uh, six games of the season for us. Uh, Chris Kobayashi, um, Tynecastle against Hearts is probably the second toughest away fixture that we have. So... In a way, this will be a good test of where he is at. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he came on at Tynecastle earlier in the season. Um, and, you know, it was fine. I think we were um, in control of the game at that point. But, and I don't think this is an, a, a kinda, an inappropriate question to ask of Kobayashi. Can he defend? We don't know. He can play football. I think we're all fairly comfortable with that. But what we really want to know is can he defend Partly in Scotland, and in terms of you know we you know we we talk about the qualities of the league and the qualities of some of the teams we come up against, but those are the teams that ostensibly he's going to be playing most of the time. Can he cope with strong centre forwards who are kicking them, who are you know up for aerial battles, you know using the kind of sneaky, you know the stuff, you know oh, what I'm I, talking about the black you know, magic stuff, the the you know that's you know path of the course in Scotland, so. He needs to be able to handle that. We need to see how he's going to be able to kind of um, deal with that. And the good thing is as well, 
well, not a good thing because I agree with Alan. You really would much prefer Carter Vickers to be fit to what you know for the rest of the season, but it is against the better opposition in the league because it's obviously after the split. You know, there's no point in seeing them up against you know Ross County or something like that. You're going to get a game at Tynecastle, a game at Ibrox, um, Easter Road. These are all tough games against the better sides in the league, and you will have a better understanding of his capabilities at the end of it. I just hope that. <laughs> it's positive because you know we've still got a game to win to win the league obviously and we've got a cup final you know you don't want to make a fall flat in his face which I don't think he'll do but what you will get is an idea if he can be the guy that steps in at Champions League level you won't know because I think you need to play there to tell but you'll have a better idea of where he is yeah absolutely old man Samani worrying about daft things like can he defend eh? <laughs> don't you worry about that son just just keep, keep just it on me just okay. watch him dribble okay. through a diddy team at the bottom's defence and then just that'll be us I mean when he started just very quickly at Rugby Park I mean our performance yeah. that day was, was excellent and so was his you know you might get a better idea of how um how impactful he was on the way that the yeah. side played. Yeah. Because, you know, it would be very, it would be kind of too simplistic to say it was because of the way that he kind of conducted himself that was the, the, the sole cause of the performance. But as part of me thinks that what he was doing that day allowed players further forward to flourish. Contributors, So yeah. we'll get we'll get more of an idea on that. Uh, Alistair Johnson, um, unfortunately, those pictures of him um, <laughs> celebrating with the crutch is just absolutely class. Um, so he's potentially going to be out for all the league games, but potentially going to be back for the cup final how confident are you in Tony Ralston um, not necessarily Tony Ralston but the fact he's been out for so long might be a little bit rusty um, thoughts Alan yes it will be I think he's shown before that he's that he's, he's capable he's adept um, especially at Tynecastle when he scored a couple of goals yeah no I, I, I would say that it might take not be Matt Sharp and I think asking him to play 90 minutes that quickly is you know obviously a um, Would you worry about that? Ideal. It, it looks, he looks fit. He looks in shape. He really does. I, you know, I, I, it looks like it wouldn't be an issue to him. But you know, the later stage of the games, it is very labour intensive with no backup. It's probably not ideal. But I, I would be, I'd be fairly optimistic that you'll see Johnson again this season. Um, didn't look like there was a fracture at the time. But he walked off. Otherwise, he would have been stretched off. Hopefully it's severe bruising. He'll be back soon, but no, no short-term concerns about Ralston. Uh, we'll talk about the Hearts game uh, just to finish off. But there's a question uh, from our good friend Jambo Roy. Um, all right, boys, what do the panel want to see from the remaining fixtures of the season? Well, if everyone wants to win every game, is a priority for you smashing every record or using it as an opportunity to see who you want from the youth slash the fringe players heading into next year? This obviously touched on the Kobayashi point of view. Outside of that, just with these last games. They are the top five teams outside of the champions elect, which is us, of course. Um, there are some tough places to go to. Is it a case of just win, or do you want to see something else? Do you want to see Frint? Do you want Rokovati to get more time? Do you want players to have an opportunity? What's your thoughts? I think any Celtic fan, I think, should always want to see what we're able to bring through from the, the youth side. I mean, there was a good thread on Twitter from... I can't remember the guy's name, but it's the guy that's really good with the coefficient stuff. Oh, uh, but after 67? Yep, yeah, yeah. Talking about Very good. the, you know, uh, association trained and club trained players and the spaces that you've got in the Champions League squad and stuff like that. And I suppose the, 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 the point I took away from that thread most was we really do need to start bringing through our own players and bringing them in and developing them. Um, that's 
probably a separate discussion, but also slightly linked. If we're going to do that and we've got players that are capable of doing that, you do want to see them come in. Records and stuff like that, I've talked about that. I don't want to sound curmudgeonly, but... <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's hard. It, it's hard. Right? It's like, they're nice, but, you know, ultimately, see if we, like, we, we, we drop, we lose one of these games or whatever. It's, it's going to be frustrating very briefly at the time, but you're, you're going to forget about it very quickly. So I, and, and, and more importantly, I think the manager will look to bring players in still trying to win the games. I don't think he would ever go up. So I think that we might be in a position to kind of see both. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see obviously Kobayashi, one or two, obviously the fringe players, but some of the youth players, we've seen Vata, we've seen Summers. Is there anybody else capable? Because um, what I don't think we'll get is can I just, we're just going to throw guys in that we don't think are capable. Yeah, we we won't get that. So we might get an idea of a handful of players that the manager's thinking, you might be able to make it here and and get a a kind of look at them between now and the end of the season. And I think think that's good. I'd be looking forward to that. What about yourself, Alan? Any kind of big things you want to tick off the list? I think just that last point about, you know, if you bring Rocco Vata, for example, in for a game at Easter Road, Pick any game, maybe with the exception probably of Rangers away, just because it might not be the best for his development. He's not there yet. But if we didn't win that game, I wouldn't be looking at it and saying, well, it's because we picked Rocco Vata. This isn't four, five, six youngsters coming in. We don't have that crop, unfortunately. Um, so I think you do have the opportunity to give these guys minutes. Ben Summers is probably, he'll be lucky to get what Vata's had so far, as in the last 30 minutes. Whereas I think Vata... I would expect that he would get a game, a start between now and the end of the season. And again, see if he doesn't, it probably doesn't reflect okay, yeah. particularly well. Um, because I think if you do really believe in him, um, then I think you look and think, right, we need to get him up to speed a little bit. Mm. That's difficult when you've got guys like Forrest, Haxibanovic, Abada, who will all be fighting for game time as well. But I think you do have to sometimes force that. He said Forrest first. It's because he's been out injured a lot and Ange did at the end of last season, remember? Um, he was very... Complimentary. About his minutes in terms of who he gave it to. McCarthy, even Stephen Welsh hasn't played a lot. I don't know how many league games he's played, but Good I would point. imagine Stephen Welsh will be getting something at some point as well. He, he did do that last year because he had the opportunity. If we win on Sunday, he'll have the opportunity to do that. So I think there'll be a few guys that might do you, find Do you think after, after the, the Rangers game, which, you know, as much as it's kind of a... You know, dead rubber in regards to hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll win the league this Saturday, Sunday. Sorry, um, they'll still take that really seriously because you don't want to go that. When I say yeah. really seriously, what I mean is they'll, you know, the, Stephen Welsh isn't going to play in that, or Rocco Vaz is going to play in that. They'll still put out as close to the first team as they can. Of course, you're not going to put out a team that could be on the end of a, a bit of a bruising because, again, as we've said, as much as we're better than them, they're not. Rotten, so you don't want to go there and, and and throw in a number of French players, youth players, and take a bit of a pattern. That's not going to do anything for us or for them. But you do have an opportunity for some players to potentially get minutes there and amongst it. You know, understanding that the result doesn't matter that much as much as any game against them matters to an extent. But see, if you go there and you lose two one or something like that, and you've given game time to something like that or Summers or you know. Welsh, whoever, you know, it's gonna, it's never good getting beat off them, but it's not going to be a huge disaster. And you've maybe then given somebody, you know, thirty minutes or whatever in an environment that's going to kind of build them going forward. You know, Alan, we play Hearts on Sunday, two fifteen PM kickoff. Um, 
Your thoughts on it? Um, people are, uh, you know, and I think we've all fallen for this probably, people are very confident. And I, I just, I'd like us to, and I know that obviously Ange and the players will take it with so much focus, but it's a tough game. Yeah, it is, and, but they're confident because yeah, we've got the way we've played. Yeah. Like, Fuck up, Chris. Uh, <laughs> not at all, not at all. Um, <laughs> it's very nice now. I'm trying to be, I'm really on eggshells here. Uh, I think there's enough in it, and I think everything about last weekend just feeds in nicely. We've got cup final to play for. It adds that extra last day of the season that everyone wants to be a part of, so it's there's no issues with keeping it competitive. Um, so I'm... As confident as you can be going to Tynecastle, I, I think sometimes it's, it has that same feel of sometimes the normal rules don't apply there because of what they're able to do at times and get that extra 10-15% out of their team. I don't know if Stephen Naismith has been able to get that out of his team. Um, they look like they're kind of just kind of waiting for the end of the season, but yeah. they've still got a lot to fight for and you know there's still the big opportunity for them to finish third if they can get on track. But I do like the idea that we can end Rangers season last week, yeah. end Hearts this week, and, end and then put and the end cherry Steven. on top of the cake thing that you were talking about earlier the weekend Just after. Stephen Naismith. Yeah, that would be pleasant. Um, yeah, so it's a big opportunity. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I think... Um, I, do you know, it feels like it's set up a wee bit for a special kind of Sunday for us. Just even the kickoff times in both games... Mm. I mean, I don't watch a lot of Rangers, but I tell you what, if they're on what TV... What time's the Rangers one? They they kick off 45 minutes after us. Oh, okay. I might I might just allow myself a wee tune in to tune in. 20 minutes of the second half of that game if we've uh, if we've pissed it at Tynecastle, I'll tell you that. Love it. Chris, you can go and seek out a stream if it's not on Sky Sports. I don't know if it is, but if... Oh, that would be good. Uh, Chris, uh, Kobayashi... Coming in, obviously, for CCV, it seems the logical. Uh, Tony Ralston as well. Any other changes, or would you get Hatati up and running uh, for the game at Ibrooks? And, you know, Matt Riley's in great form, and Cal McGregor's ever present. Again, the forward line, would it? Would there be any big differences, changes? Sorry. Um, you would kind of go business as usual for this one. We need to win the league, we still need to do it. We still need to get that win. You want to do it here. Uh, it's, there's an opportunity there. I think that... Th- the Hearts support would absolutely not want us to win the league and they'll be paying for that. It is their weekend after all. It is indeed. Um, they'll be very proud. But I imagine... Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. <laughs> for a second, I... Fucking hell. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, I think the... Uh, I think the support will want that. I'm not sure... That point about Naismith's Hearts side at the moment, I'm not sure they've got the will or the desire to put in the performance that their fans might expect from them, which makes me suspect that it might be a good day, shall we say, but we need to treat it like a must-win game. We just need to do that. Um, it's not, the manager talked about this, it's not great having two away games in a row, Tynecastle, then Ibrox, you know. Um, and as much as some people would be dreaming maybe of going to Ibrox and winning it, you know, I really, really get my heart set on it this weekend. Me I too, think, yeah. I think you know, we can go there, we can put on a performance um, we can win win the title. Just get it wrapped up first game as much as possible, and then it's just a case of nurturing players back for the you know the the, the cup final and you know competing in the games between now and then. So loving it, uh, Alan. Yourself just on that kind of lineup point of view. You know Kobayashi, Ralston. Any other changes or again just go with what what's working? I think it'll be just the usual 
changes. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's maybe one in the middle of the park again, just because I feel... A what, I mean? Yeah, I, th- I feel like it's really competitive in that middle area of the park, so I wouldn't be surprised if between now and the end of the season you see that four or five players interchanging, probably with the exception of McGregor. I think he'll get one week, probably rest. I don't know what game. Maybe Easter Road? Just before, Potentially, probably. yeah, I mean, could be. I, I just feel like he'll give him one. He maybe could do uh, just that wee break and wee refresh. Um, but the weekend, I, I think it'll... I, th- I don't think you'll change much. I agree with Samani. It's hard to see why you would pick anything other than your strongest 11. And I probably think that your strongest 11 was exactly who was picked mm. on um, on Sunday there, to be honest. Yes, so tomorrow we've got the weekend update. It'll be myself and Barry Gallagher, and we'll be talking through all the news of the day. We'll also have a tactical look at Hearts with Christian Wolf as well, and breaking down how they're going to play up and how we can take advantage of it. Then on Sunday, after the game, we'll have uh, the reaction, um, and hopefully that'll be a, a lot of fun and a lot of joy. And then I'm going straight to the pub after that, hopefully, fingers crossed. A few relaxing victory beers, hopefully. Um, but yes, if you go to the cynic.co, um, if you go to the cynic.co and you're not a subscriber, you can see all the, the kind of podcasts we put out. We put out daily podcasts. Um, there's lots of free content there as well if you want to get a little taste of what we're doing. There's also free feature podcasts on this feed. Um, if you go back through your feed, you'll be able to find some of the features that we've done. And we're going to put out some more of those over the summer just to give you a little taster, as I say, to what we're actually doing but uh, covering Celtic uh, from all angles and uh, having a great time doing it uh, Christopher Sermani it's been an absolute joy um, hopefully next week uh, you know we'll be discussing Celtic being the champions of Scotland absolutely uh, and I hope you live to see the final <laughs> I genuinely do <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely hope uh, Alan Edgar <laughs> I'd like to say it's been a pleasure, but you know, you'll be hearing from my lawyer. I know, I'll be getting the Moritz Jens treatment here. <laughs> Us and next this is the unfortunately Alan's last appearance uh, on it's this. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. And this is, uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm really, really <laughs> sorry. I had a really, really tough five minutes there. Really tough five minutes, but look, we've got through it. We're going, we're going to forge ahead and win the league on Sunday. Let's get involved. Uh, plenty of uh, content, content coming out on the Cynic. Uh, we're on Twitter at 90 Minute Cynic. We are on Instagram at 90 Minute Cynic. Um, check us out at thecynic.co. From Alan Edgar, from Christopher Somani, from myself, Christopher Gallagher, this has been The Cynic Weekly, and we'll speak to you down the road. Hold up. 